Welcome to The Longest Road with yours truly, Josh Williams. This isn't your average everyday sports show. No, this is a sports storytelling show. Growing up as a kid, my grandfather would share stories upon stories of these larger-than-life sports figures. Muhammad Ali walking into McDonald's. Elvis Presley walking out of the Doubletree. Watching Barry Sanders and Walter Payton in person. And even seeing Dick Buckus hit someone so hard that he killed a man. I was enamored. His best friend, neighbor, was a former NFL player who took my grandfather to NFL alumni events all the time, where these moments and stories became lessons that these larger-than-life figures are people too. He once told me, instead of asking for an autograph, to ask them a question. These questions are now the bridge from larger-than-life to everyday you and I. And just like my grandfather did with me, I want to share these stories with you. So ladies and gentlemen, the journey starts now. Welcome to The Longest Road with Josh Williams. Today I'm joined by a special guest here on The Longest Road. We're joined by a guest who has lived a true football life through and through. We're joined by Brian Polian, who is currently the special teams coordinator for the University of Notre Dame and has been shining brightly in a role as recruiter. I believe that there is a list now that has you out there as the top 50 recruiter, at least amongst them. <laughs> that and 75 cents to get you a cup of coffee at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> well, still, congratulations are in order, not only just for that, but also for the Camping World victory that you guys just had. Amazing job, good conclusion to the season. Uh, many folks here in South Bend, though, have not put two and two together yet, that you are also the son of a Cornerstone Hall of Fame NFL executive, Bill Polian. Mm-hmm. What's that like to kind of be flying under the radar a little bit, uh, almost like you had you have a little bit of ammunition to you? Well, there there was a there was a long time in my professional life where, um, like, the first line of your bio would have said, you know, son of Bill Polian. So, um, no, it's uh, I'm incredibly proud of my father. Um, my father and my wife uh, are probably my two best friends in the whole world. I'm very blessed to have the relationship that I do with my dad. Uh, it's always been great. He's been a role model uh, professionally. He's a role model in the personal life. He's a great father, a great grandfather, a, a, a wonderful husband. So, um, But it made for a unique um, way to grow up. And frankly, there was a time where, um, you know, people tried to talk me out of getting into this business because, sure. um, you know, there was going to be, there, believe it or not, there are some limitations to it because... There are some places that see your last name, and you know I'm never going to work for the New England Patriots. I mean, that's <laughs> so, you know, it's just one of those things. But but in the end, um, I followed my passion. My passion, and and a lot of people, certainly most people, don't know that my dad started his career as a high school history teacher and a coach. Wow! And that's he wanted to coach. His I'm living my father's dream to think that I. I'm an assistant football coach at Notre Dame. This is all he ever wanted. He ended up in personnel, you know, through a, a winding path. But, um, yeah, it, it was a unique way to grow up. It's a very special relationship, and I guess it's the family business now. And growing up in the Bronx, you had uh, two brothers and one sister. You guys had to be tough, no? I mean, growing up in the Bronx, I mean, hey, tough Bronx guys, look, right? Bronx looked different then. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's... Uh, it's typical um, Irish, uh, you know, 
both grandfathers are immigrants. Um, my father really is the American success story. He is the he's the son of of an of an immigrant. Um, it, you know, a lot of cousins uh, all grew up in the same neighborhood. Uh, my sister and older brother, my sister Lynn and my older brother Chris probably remember it uh, a little bit better than I do. Uh, we we moved upstate um, and, and then began really a wild journey um, with my dad's career. Uh, but but my older brother and sister remember what it was like to live in the city. All all our cousins all stayed. Um, you know, I I don't I I would tell you my parents consider themselves New Yorkers. They are New Yorkers. Um, my dad's very proud of being from the Bronx. Shoot, my mom and dad went to grammar school together in the same Catholic grammar <laughs> oh, wow. school. Um, but I would consider myself uh, a Buffalonian because that's what I consider home. My wife's from there. That's the longest I'd ever lived in one place. Although uh, South Bend, Indiana is creeping up on that number if you combine if you combine tour of duties. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's uh, this life that we lead. Right, there are army brats. We are football brats. Um, if if you ask uh, every uh, child in my family, they will give you different answers to where <laughs> where home is. So, well, that's beautiful, though. And you know, you you kind of hit on the head that this is your second tour of duty um, back to South Bend and with Notre Dame. You were here from a time from 2005 to 2009 with Charlie Weiss under mm-hmm. the same role as special teams coordinator. What can you say about uh, the time then, from 2005 to 2009? who Brian Polian was then, and who Brian Polian is now the second time around back to South Bend. Oh, well, th- th- that that first time around was some of the most formative years of my professional life, and frankly, my personal life. Um, first of all, I'm indebted to Charlie Weiss forever. Uh, I-, I know that he's a pretty polarizing figure um, I, amongst Notre Dame fans. I get that. Um, but, but Charlie hired me here at the age of 29. Wow. Um, I was uh, paying my dues. Uh, through the mid majors, and and it's uh, it, it's funny when you know a lot of people see my last name, know who my dad is, and simply assume that I was fast tracked uh, in the profession. And the reality of it is, I've paid my dues. I, I've been zero and eleven at at uh, University of Central Florida. I've been you know two and ten at the University of Buffalo, playing at Akron in front of a thousand people. You know, right. so I, I I did my time and. There's no doubt that that uh, relationships uh, helped progress my career, but everybody needs a break, and and Charlie Weiss gave me mine. Um, came here, I, like I said, 29 years old and 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 fresh and and excited to be here, and uh, it was a great time. I mean, we went to the uh, the Sugar and the Fiesta Bowls in our first two years. Uh, you know, part of the Bush Push game and. It's funny. It came out of the locker room. My dad said, "I know this is. I know this hurts right now, but you were just a, a, a major part of one of the greatest college football games ever to be played." It still doesn't make me feel any better because no, we lost. No, I can't but, imagine. <laughs> um, there were great years with some really important friendships that developed at that time that remain to this day. I mean, two of my closest friends in the world were neighbors uh, wow. in our in our Brendan Hills neighborhood in Granger. Wow. Um, and um, these were guys that would bring their families to Stanford and Texas A&M and Nevada for games because we were that close. And when the opportunity presented itself to come back with Coach Kelly, the relationships that we had developed here, the fact that um, 
I had a relationship with Father Jenkins and Jack Swarbrick and knew people on campus and uh, knew so many people in the community. It was like coming home. Uh, so it was really, uh, there was not a lot of thinking that, that went on, you know, choosing between this opportunity and some other things that were out there. Um, a lot of people don't know we started our family here. My son, Aiden, who's 10 years old now, um, we welcomed him to our family while we were here. He was christened in the log chapel on campus. Uh, Aiden Doyle Polian is is named for Father Paul Doyle, the uh, wow. the uh, chaplain of the football team at the time, and now the rector at Dillon Hall on campus. So uh, I tell people all the time, I'm as emotionally connected to this university as an assistant coach can be. I mean, we get hired and fired. I get that, but um, this this is you know this is if you ask my wife where's home, she would tell you that. Uh, South Bend, Indiana, and the University of Notre Dame is our home. You've opened up the crossroads here to either go one way or the other. I think we maybe might need to backtrack a little bit and look towards John Carroll. You said that you spent a lot of time paying your dues, and there's a the track record proves that. Uh, I, I I find it most amazing to look back at the history of all of the GA jobs that you did early on. I mean, you started out with Nick Saban in 97, right, mm-hmm. at Michigan State. Nick Saban at Michigan State. Yep. And then you go on from there, and the coaches that are on these lists that you have been a part of, I mean, you take pieces from here, take pieces from there, and you're molding yourself into your own person, which it, which highlights exactly what you said. You weren't going to take the last name as the free ride ticket. You were going to make your own path. So let's talk about John Carroll. What uh, what was John Carroll like during your before your formative years? So the, it's interesting. The John Carroll story is a, a is a pretty fun one. My older brother Christopher is exactly four years older than me. Right, and um, we both went to the same all boys Catholic high school in Buffalo, New York, uh, St. Francis High School. My older brother was a, a pretty scrappy, overachieving high school football player and wanted to play in college. Um, and my dad and he were having a really hard time trying to find a place that would be a good fit for him. And um, ironically enough, my dad was at some league meetings, NFL league meetings, and he sat on a very important and exclusive committee called the Competition Committee. Oh, the boy. Competition Committee um, builds the rules. They're the, they're the they for for years have been the, you know the stewards of the game, right? Don Shula w- was on the committee uh, with my dad at towards the end of Coach Shula's career, and they're they're sitting there talking between sessions, and my dad's describing my older brother Chris and trying to find a, 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 a the right college for him. And Coach Shula said, "You know, I went to this Jesuit college outside of Cleveland, John Carroll University. It was a great place. Loved it for me. You might want to go take a look." And my older brother Chris and my dad took a trip out to Cleveland from Buffalo, three hour drive. And my brother fell in love with it and and played there for four years. Um, now, fast forward, it's my time. And, and uh, I, you know, God bless my dad. He's, he's, uh, he, he's a talent evaluator at heart, and he's always going to be honest. And, you know, I was a little bit more decorated in high school than my brother was, but <laughs> um, limited size-wise. And my dad was like, listen, you're a Division three player. I, you know, you're a good high school player. I get it. But... There are not a lot of five nine linebackers floating around <laughs> Division One football, so you need to focus uh, your, your recruiting here on on the right places. So I looked at a bunch of places, and in the end, um, I picked Franklin and Marshall College in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 
and I was okay with it. It was fine. My dad kind of looked at me and said, um, you know, why is it that you're not more excited about this? I mean, this is your future. And I said, well, uh, you know, I don't know if this is really what I want in my heart. And he said, well, what's your heart telling you? I said, my, my heart's telling me John Carroll is the best fit for me. He said, well, what's the problem? I said, I don't want to follow my brother. I don't, two times in a oh, row now, oh. I picked the same high school, now I'm going to pick the same college. And and he gave me some great advice. He said, listen, if 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 just if that's the only reason you're not going there, that's a pretty bad reason. <laughs> so <laughs> you need to just follow your heart. So I, I went to... Um, I went to a, a 3,000 student Jesuit school on the east side of Cleveland. I like to car- call John Carroll the Harvard of East Cleveland. It's, <laughs> uh, no, it's a very special place. And um, it's just got this 10-year window that has produced, starting with my older brother, who went on to be a general manager in the league, is now a, a director of player personnel. Um, with Jacksonville, right? With Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Dave Caldwell, uh, the general manager of the Jaguars. Tom Telesco, the general manager of the Chargers. Coincidentally enough, Telesco and Caldwell both went to the same high school we did in Buffalo. What? We all were ball boys together for the Bills. Wow. Um, uh, Then you have Josh McDaniels of the New England Patriots. Nick Cassara of the New England Patriots. Um, Tom Arth, the head coach of the University of Akron. I mean, there's there's about a 10-year window here where there's, I don't know, maybe a dozen uh, guys at the highest levels of pro football and college football. And it just, it, it, it just caught lightning in a bottle there for about a decade. And now you're seeing the guys from our years, when we're looking to hire a young guy, we're going to go back to, to that family tree. Uh, Patrick Kramer, who's a, a quality control coach for us here at Notre Dame, is a John Carroll guy that 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 I knew of from our family tree. So it, it's a unique place. Um, love it. Uh, very very uh, pleased and 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 um, loved my experience there um, and the relationships that I have from there uh, are are. Long, long lasting. And it's funny. I have a John Carroll weekend at uh, every place I coach. And, and this year it was the Virginia Tech game. And, no way. Oh, uh, yeah. We had about a dozen couples came in and, and we uh, we filled up the, the courtyard in Mishawaka yeah, and, sure. and had a big party at the house. And just great years, great people. And, and that set me on a path uh, coming out of there and knew I wanted to coach. You played with a teammate back at John Carroll University that you referred to, I think, as motivational for some of your players sometimes. Um, London Fletcher. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with London Fletcher down at John Carroll? As a freshman, I played uh, a lot uh, on on the kicking teams and and felt like in my sophomore year, uh, I was going to have a chance to to play a pretty meaningful role on defense and was excited about that as a a weak inside linebacker and a 4-3 front. And... um, and all of a sudden, this guy showed up in training camp, and and I'm no dummy. I mean, after about three days, it was like, all right, you know, this guy's different than all of us. Um, London Fletcher had played high school football at, at uh, St. Joe's in Cleveland, um, same high school that produced Desmond Howard and Elvis Gerback and the Golick brothers. And wow. So... Um, but he only played one year of high school football. What's in the water out there? Yeah, man? seriously. Jeez. Um, 
played one year of high school football and then went and was a point guard at St. Francis of PA. And uh, for whatever reason, after a year, gave it up and came back home and, and came and played football at Carroll. His high school coach ended up being our defense coordinator. And London showed up, and you're like, okay, this guy's different. I'm not going to play. So um, I really, at that point, as a sophomore in college at 20 years old, said, all right, I love the game. I'm not going to walk away. I'm not going to transfer because I, I love the place. I've got to carve out a role here for myself. And I just, I absolutely embraced special teams. I said, I mean, London Fletcher, our, our, our listeners need to understand, started 259 consecutive games in the National Holy Football moly. League. He, he really, there's a case to be made that London should be in Canton. Uh, Iron Man. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. That guy was playing Division Three football, so I, I mean... Yeah, I was given fourth effort and trying, but I knew I was going to back him up for the rest of my career. What I did say, though, was, okay, I can play 20 to 25 meaningful snaps a game if I'm on punt, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return. And that's, that's really what I dedicated myself to and wow. car- carved out a niche. And then just, I don't know, in my coaching career, I've gravitated towards that because I've always and I enjoyed it as a player. And my dad gave me some great advice coming out of college. He said, listen, you know, great offensive line coaches and great special teams coaches always have jobs. They're in high demand. Um, and I didn't know anything about O-line play, but I sure as, <laughs> sure as heck knew what it was like to cover a kickoff. So uh, that's just what I dedicated myself to and is really kind of, you know, Gladwell talks about your 10,000 hours, your expertise. I could coach a lot of positions on both sides of the ball, but I'm an expert. That's my expertise is the kicking game, and and I love it. Enjoy it. And that, that was born at John Carroll University, and it was born the day that London Fletcher showed up, and I figured out wow, I'm not going to play much linebacker here. But in this day and age where everyone is so, he- or so quick to maybe make a decision where it might have transfer consequences on it, you decided to take the road less traveled, understood what your role was, even though it wasn't what you wanted at the time, you adapted, overcame, and made the best of the situation. I mean, is there a message to be sent to current college players out there, not just with Inside Notre Dame, but from your story here, is there a message that you could send about being patient and understanding to adapt into your own role and find a way to still get to the target point, even if it has to go... 365 days around yeah the sure it's um it's uh it's it's a message to just young people in general i i think you know when you get to the level that we are guys think about well this is inhibiting my ability to try and make it in the national football league that was something that i never had to consider but um i think overall in general this the the youth and i sound like an old guy i'm 45 <laughs> years old but this generation that we deal with my son um if he's playing a video game and he doesn't like the way it's going, he just hits the reset button. Uh, and and I think a lot of people go through life that way. Like, hey, this is not going the way I want it to go. I'm just going to hit the reset button. In some cases, that's the right thing to do. In most cases, I would take the stance that we have to learn how to deal with adversity. we got to learn how to push through it. Um, there, There's a great quote from a, a, a book. I can't recall the name of it, but... Um, there's joy in suffering. Like there's growth 
in adversity. There's growth in failure. There's growth occurs uh, when you want something and you, you don't quite get it as quick as you wanted to get there, or if you don't get it at all. Uh, there is growth there, and, and I think um, we lose out on some of that uh, nowadays. And I, I, I see it. At, I see it. And, and to be honest with you, at Notre Dame, we are not. Um, we don't suffer the epidemic the way some other schools do, because often a young man picks Notre Dame because of Notre Dame, not because they think I'm going to start by the time I'm a I'm a sophomore. Uh, and it's hard to walk away from the value of that diploma and the value of that alumni sure, network. Sure. But we still have guys that 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 will walk away from it. And it's uh, you know you wish you could just say, "Hey, listen, I, I promise you, when you're 40, you might think about this a little bit differently." But you know, this is the day and age that we live in, and we we counsel as best we can, and hope guys guys make good decisions. Speaking of counsel, looking back at your childhood uh, idol growing up, at least in upstate New York with Jim Kelly, mm-hmm. how much of that and his journey, even throughout his professional career, of never capturing that Super Bowl championship and maybe not getting what he wanted, but then also in life, the fight that he had to embark upon, how much of that has really affected you? A, a great deal. And and um, Jim is somebody that maybe will, I'll see once a year now, but... I mean, I grew up in that, I literally grew up in that locker room. I mean, from the age of 12 to 18. Oh and my those gosh. are, those are, those are pretty, pretty formative years for Absolutely. a boy, right? Absolutely. So, um, you know, the relationships with the guys on that team and some of which are still incredibly strong. Uh, Pete Metzlar the tight end is a dear friend. Mark Kelso is a dear friend. Uh, stay in touch with Thurman and and Cornelius Bennett and um, you know Jim and Steve Tasker and what a cool way it was to 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 go through those years being around those teams. But now, as life as it always does um, affects us, you lose Kent Hull far too early, the starting center. Jim suffers through everything that he's been through. Um, you know. And you watch the way that that family rallied around Jim and one another, and it's it can't help but um, motivates not the right word, inspire you. Absolutely. Um, and Jim's courage and his family and, and his faith, quite frankly, um, has been inspiring. Uh, the last time I was around all of those guys together was in August of fifteen when my dad was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and to see the amount of Buffalo Bills guys that came back to be a part of that was incredible. And I'm a little bit spoiled. So is my sister Lynn, my brother Chris, my brother Dennis. We're spoiled in the sense that two of the greatest franchises that we've that that have been in the National Football League were those Bills teams. And then that incredible decade that the Indianapolis Colts had. And in a professional sports, it's hard to find a true family atmosphere. But my dad, um, Mr. Wilson in Buffalo, Mr. Ursay in Indianapolis, Marv Levy, uh, Jim Caldwell, Tony Dungy, they created a family atmosphere in professional sports. And that's hard to do. But I also believe it's part of this reason that those places succeeded to the level that they did 
And now to see the way that Buffalo Bills family has rallied around one another and how close they still are, it's incredible. I mean, Frank Reich, the Frank Reich is um, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Frank Reich and I have a relationship going back to, you know, 1988. So, oh my gosh! Um, you know, so it's uh, it, it all those experiences were formative. Um, being around Jim, being around all those other guys, that that informed um, what I wanted to be as a coach. I wanted to have the relationships with the players that Marv had. I wanted to have the relationships that my dad and Tony Dungy and all these Jim Caldwell had with these guys. And when I had the chance to become a head coach at the University of Nevada, we were not going to run that thing like a business. And, I, and my hope is I will get another opportunity to be a head coach. And when, when I do, we're not going to run it as a business. We're going to run it as a family. Because in my experience, that's been the most um, rewarding way to do it. And it's certainly had a track record of success. See, it's, it's, it's amazing to me as we get ready to wrap this up. It's amazing to me to look back and then to, to think to anyone would think that, okay, Brian pulled in here. It's easy to see that he just rode the coattail of his dad. But through all of these experiences, you have laid out for us why it is that you do what you do. From all of those experiences that you've had from being the ball boy in Buffalo uh, to John Carroll, these things led you here to your longest road, which is far from yet to be completed. Um, what's next? What what's the next step for for Brian Polian and, and his life and his family? Oh, you know it's really interesting. Um, and this was a conversation I did have with my dad this summer. Was um, when I was twenty nine and I was here with it was just me and my wife Laura. Every time we made a decision professionally, it had to do with okay, what's the next step? How do we keep climbing? How do we keep improving? And now when you add a ten year old and a seven year old, I have a seven year old daughter Charlotte, my ten year old son Aiden. And um, Aiden's got some challenges, like a lot of kids do. And, and all of a sudden, that changes your perspective. And what's important to you um, is rearranged. And, and so now, whenever we talk about an opportunity, what do we think is next? Where are we headed? Uh, it's always through the, the vacuum of what's best for our kids. And um, how do we provide as much stability and put them in a in a situation to flourish i was very lucky i went to one high school my older brother went to one high school my older sister went to five high schools in four years one of which was in canada i love her my younger brother dennis had to move in his senior year which is obviously difficult so you know you get to a point where you're trying to make decisions that provide stability for your family um I, I I absolutely love it here. Something special would would have to come along in order for me to um, voluntarily leave the University of Notre Dame. Um, that said, I'd like to be a head coach again. I would, and and there will come a time in my career that I want to experience what life in the National Football League is like. Um, I, I'm. It's it's funny. Um, I have a reputation, deserve it or not, as a as a as a good recruiter. Um, part of my role at Notre Dame is to is to run our recruiting operation. But there comes a point in your life where you're like, I don't want to leave my family for a month, right? In late April sure. and May, to you know, I got sure. two little kids. I don't want to 
you know, right now recruiting probably keeps the coaches at Notre Dame eight to ten weeks a year away from their homes. Wow. And we don't recruit regionally. It's not like I'm driving to and right. from Cleveland. I mean, during the bye week, I was on the ground in Hawaii for 11 hours. Oh, my flew, gosh. You know, I flew to Hawaii and was on the ground for, for less than 12 hours. I had to call my friend at the University of Hawaii to be able to shower before I got back <laughs> on the plane. Holy moly. So, um, you know, there will come a point in life where you say, okay, I, I want to experience football without the grind of the recruiting, but we're not there yet by any long shot. Um, I'm very fortunate in the sense that when I when I start to think about my career and what the next step should be and um, when opportunities present themselves and you're working through what should I do, I call my dad. I, I've got I've got somebody that understands the profession at the highest levels, but I've also got somebody who's invested in my future and my family's future and what a great sounding board. What a great sounding board that is to have. It's beautiful. And part of my and this is something even my wife and I talk about, part of my maturity was reaching a point in my life where it was okay to disagree with him. There was a long time where what he said was gospel. And uh, you reach a point in your adulthood where you say, okay, I love you. I've always loved you. I hear you, but I, I think I'm going to go another direction. Um, but that, again, that was, that was part of growing up and becoming an adult, but I still have him there. Uh, I love him um, more than anything else in the world. I mean, my dad's my hero. He's my guy. And um, he was, he came up for three days during our bowl preparation and hung out and watched film and watched practice. And, um, so I'm very blessed that I still, uh, have both parents in my life healthy and, 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 uh, you know, we're going to enjoy our time here at Notre Dame every minute that we're here and what will be, will be. That's kind of how it usually goes in our, our, our profession. Well, Brian, Hey, uh, we're looking forward to watching this whole thing unfold. Um, as your career continues to unfold in front of yourself here, uh, sky's the limit for you. And we just thank you for taking the time to join us here on this first episode of the longest road. And wish you the best of luck in this uh, 2020 uh, recruiting season for you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. You've been listening to The Longest Road with Josh Williams on podcast by Federated Media. If you'd like to recommend a guest, find the contact us link in the description and let us know. Until next time, thank you for listening, and I'll see you down the longest road. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.